Well, thanks for listening to I've Got News For You. If you like it, hit follow or subscribe in your app and you'll get a new episode from us every morning. The 14th of October, 2022. We, the jury, find the defendant not guilty. I want the truth! You, 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 you can't handle the truth! From news.com.au I'm Andrew Buckalo, and I've got news for you. Well, I tell you what, you are in for a treat today, you lucky ducks, because in this episode, we're going to take a look at the most bizarre court cases from around Australia in 2022. And when I say bizarre, I promise you, I'm not lying. All right. There is a case involving a grave robber. There's one about a guy who stormed an animal shelter armed with a gun in a desperate attempt to get his cat back. And have a listen to this one. They found her allegedly dumping 470 fake police badges. She'd imported these badges, they allege, to recruit a rival police force, declare herself the new Attorney General, arrest both Houses of Parliament and start a far-right Australian revolution. I mean, come on, how wild is that? All right, we'll start taking a look at these truly bizarre cases in just a moment. Well, joining me now is Perry Duffin, the Chief Court Reporter from the Daily Telegraph in Sydney. Perry, I am so pumped to hear about the most bizarre cases from New South Wales this year. What's the first one? Oh, the first one I think has got to be um, Sonny Sonny. He's a bizarre scammer from Western Sydney. He's a bit of a mastermind. He was using these fake checks and fake uh, cash deposits, like bank deposits, to get get like a high life sort of lifestyle. So he was going to brothels, spending $5,000 in a night. He got a Range Rover for $46. 80 by changing the dot to a comma. And so it looked like $46,880. And so he gets this Range Rover, parks it out the front of a brothel, police find it, tow it away to an impound lot. Mm -hmm. And then the CCTV is watching when the door cracks open, Sonny Sonny was asleep in the back of the car. Oh my God. He gets out of the car, opens the roller door from the police impound lot and drives away. (laughs) He goes off Continues his sort of uh, fraud spree. He gets his hands on bars of gold. Um, again, back to the brothels, yeah. which he was a repeat uh, <laughs> customer at. And eventually, I believe he got done after trying to scam someone on Facebook Marketplace for a like knockoff Theragun sort of massage gun for oh, yeah. 50 bucks. And when they found him, he was in a different Mercedes. He's just like a bizarre paper trail. It's an incredible fraud case. And so what happened? Did he get sent to prison or? Yeah, yeah. So Sonny got locked up. It took a couple of years of dedicated police work, but he's now behind bars and it's believed he'll probably be deported back to India. He appealed. He's fought this the whole way, but it seems that he's at the end of his tether here in Australia. How did he spend five grand in a brothel in one night? That's what I want to know. Uh, I don't know. I have a feeling that it wasn't his first time. I think he worked his way up to that. Right. He didn't okay. start. Hard on five grand, but by the end of it, yeah, it was uh, pretty serious. Oh, well, that was sunny, sunny. All right, where are we going after that? What's another bizarre case? So over in the city's east, there was a little old nanny who was living in a sort of modest brick flat, and the police knocked on her door, and they said, Adriana Rivas, we've got a warrant for your arrest. It turned out that Chile, where she's from, was alleging that she had a role in a torture chamber in the 1980s. Now... Allegedly, according to Chile, she was part of this secret sort of police squad that were snatching political enemies off the street, enemies of Augusto Pinochet, their Uh dictator, and murdering, torturing and disappearing their bodies. Uh And they want her to go back and face trial over there. 
Now, Adriana Rivas has fought this at every single point, denied she had a role in this at all. But she's lost in every court, and now I believe she's just waiting to be deported. God, so she's basically accused of being a secret agent who was torturing people for the government, and now she's just little old grandma living her best life in Bondi. Yeah, absolutely. It's very, very strange to see her like this because she is just a very normal little nan-looking person. (laughs) And, um, yeah, she's accused of being involved in some really, really heinous crimes. The exact level of her involvement, not really specified or known, but Chile says that she had an important role in, in that torture chamber. Whew, don't want to get on the bad side of that, Granny. Okay, so we've had Sonny, Sonny, the con man. We've had um, Adriana Rivas, the potential secret spy. What's the third case? So Marley Cooper was a climate protester. She sort of went viral, was on the project after she chained herself by the neck with a bike lock to her car steering wheel in the Sydney Harbour Tunnel. And she locked up the entire tunnel and people were going nuts, screaming at her, you know, through the window. Anyway, the other day, all the charges were dismissed against her because she, or her lawyer rather, argued that she had anxiety as a result from climate change. What? And so that morphed into PTSD after Lismore flooded. She's from Lismore. And so the court sort of took into account the fact that she genuinely had anxiety Mm. about climate change, genuinely had PTSD about the floods. And so they have decided to dismiss all these charges against her, even the really harsh new anti-protest laws, which could have seen her locked up for two years if she was found guilty. God, that sets an interesting precedent, doesn't it? That people could potentially, you know, get away with uh, causing mayhem in public because they have anxiety about the climate. Yes, I mean, well, the the court didn't have to find whether or not climate change actually was having certain effects, but it did find that she personally was anxious about it. And I suppose if that's what you can argue, then you can argue that your mental health is a little bit in play and maybe it's a diminished your actions. I will be using that line against my boss, I guarantee you. But I can't come in today stressed about the environment. Climate change, anxiety. Uh, You can catch all of Perry's stories in the Daily Telegraph. Thank you so much for coming on. I've got news for you. Thank you. Very glad to be here. In just a moment, we're going to take a look at some of the standout cases from Victoria, including a man accused of stealing skulls from a cemetery. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winger? <laughs> Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from. Joining me now is Genevieve Allison, a court reporter from the Herald Sun. Genevieve, I cannot wait to hear about the three most bizarre court cases from Victoria this year. What's the first one? Now, this first one is a case that really makes me squirm. So if you listen to this over your breakfast, you've been warned. In March this year, detectives arrested a man called Tristan Hearn, who they alleged was a real-life grave robber. Now, Hearn is aged in his 40s and was accused of stealing skulls from multiple burial plots at a cemetery in Melbourne's west. Now, detectives charged this alleged tomb raider with 
removing a human head from a corpse, exhuming human remains, and also damaging a bunch of mausoleums at this cemetery. And what's worse is police allege that one of the human skulls was found inside Hearn's bedroom and another was buried in a garden bed outside another home that he was renting. Now, a look at this guy's social media is, it's painted a pretty dark picture. We know that in the lead up to the alleged offending, he was sharing images which showed that he had an interest in graves, skulls, vampires, ghosts and zombies. And he even shared an image from Shakespeare's famous play, Hamlet, which involved a skull. Now, the thespians out there will know that the skull is used to portray the futility of life or the inevitability of death, which is all the more chilling when Hearn actually failed to show up to court in August. And we learned that the reason he failed to show up is that he had actually suffered an untimely death himself. Oh. Yeah. So we understand they'd been sick for a while and uh, had undergone a lung transplant recently and police aren't treating his death as suspicious, but it means that any questions surrounding this really grisly case will, for now, remain a mystery. Far out. Well, I don't know how you're going to top a Tomb Raider in terms of the most bizarre court cases, but what's (laughs) the second one, Genevieve? Well, this next one centres around what's been dubbed the infamous Lemon Porsche. Now, Shreko Lorbeck is a luxury car dealer in Melbourne and he's been in the business of trading Ferraris, Maseratis, Lamborghinis, the whole swag for more than three decades. And he's very good at it. So good that he's, in fact, built this reputation as the go-to luxury car dealer. And he's rubbed shoulders with the who's who of Melbourne society and hosted F1 stars like Daniel Ricciardo and Mark Webber. But in a marathon legal battle that landed him in the Supreme Court this year, Lorbeck accused one of his own customers of tarnishing that reputation by leaving a series of negative Google reviews about a Porsche that he bought back <laughs> way back in 2016. Now, that customer, Peter King, claimed that the luxury car he was sold for about $150,000, so not, not a small amount, was in fact a dud and unroadworthy. And what ensued was this high-stakes defamation trial um, and the judge said that the mutual disregard between the parties was palpable. And now the Lawbecks wanted about $250,000 in damages for what they said was equivalent to digital graffiti by King. But in a twist, it was revealed that actually the car wasn't roadworthy and the mechanic that had done the roadworthy certificate had a faulty instrument. So, in fact, King was right. He was sold an unroadworthy car. So even though the judge found that King had defamed Lawback in these online posts, he had a reasonable defence to do so. So six years on, hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal bills. The defamation case was dismissed and everyone had to... Just get on with business. Far out. Who would have thought a car dealer being accused of being dodgy? Uh, That is wild. (laughs) Okay, well, let's go on to the third and final case. What happened here? Okay, well, the last case centred on what some would say was man's most prized possession, his car. And this next case surrounds perhaps another much-loved member of the family, a pet cat. (laughs) Now, Tony Whitman was jailed in uh, February this year after storming an animal shelter and holding a young woman at gunpoint, all in a bid to retrieve his cat. Now, Whitman is an ex-army reservist, and in January last year, he dressed in full combat gear, loaded his car with a bag of an arsenal, including flashbangs, cable ties, hunting knives, and, of course, a pet carrier, and drove to the lost dog's home. 
you see his pet cat had gone missing earlier and was taken in by this shelter. But Whitman was told he'd have to wait till the next morning to collect his feline. But he wasn't having a bar of that and he refused. And he went to the shelter with one thing on his mind, grab the cat and get the F out. (laughs) Now, and sadly for the rescue worker that was rostered on to work that night, she had no idea what was waiting for her when she arrived at work. She told the court she was driving to the car park when suddenly this figure dressed in SWAT gear approached her car window, pointed a gun in her face and said, do what I say or I'll shoot you. Now, once inside the shelter, Whitman tied up his hostage, demanded to know where are the cats, and then once he realised he couldn't get them, he said, okay, count to 100 and then you can call police. And he made what he described as a tactical retreat. Now, Whitman left without his cat that night, but he was so desperate for it that he returned the next morning and police were, unsurprisingly, waiting at the shelter for him and he was swiftly arrested and was sentenced to six years jail this year where, unfortunately, he will not be able to bring his cat with him. (laughs) Do you know, that is just the difference between dog people and cat people right there, isn't it? (laughs) That is unbelievable. Well, Genevieve, thank you so much for sharing those three bizarre stories from Victoria this year and a reminder to everyone listening that you can read all of Genevieve's stories in The Herald Sun. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much. Alrighty, in just a moment, we're going to cross to Adelaide to hear the shocking case of a woman who wanted to overthrow federal parliament with a rival police force. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're time now to take a look at this year's most bizarre court cases from South Australia. Here to tell me all about them is Sean Fuster, the Chief Court Reporter from The Advertiser. Thanks so much for coming on. I've got news for you. You're very welcome, Bucky. Thanks for having me. Uh, All right, hit me. What's the first court case? Well, look, only in South Australia could you have someone deciding that their plot to overthrow the federal government is so serious and so real that counter-terrorism police actually have to come to South Australia to bust them. What? What happened here? Well, it gets even better than that. If you can believe it, this is a former political candidate, a former Clive Palmer political candidate. (laughs) Right. So this former political candidate had a plan to overthrow parliament. Is that right? Yeah, we're talking about Theresa Angela Van Leeshout or Leishout, depending on how you pronounce that last name. Counterterrorism cops busted her at her Peterborough home. That's out in the sticks past Adelaide. They found her allegedly dumping 470 fake police badges into a creek behind her house. She'd imported these badges, they allege, to recruit a rival police force 
declare herself the new Attorney General, arrest both Houses of Parliament and start a far-right Australian revolution. Wow. That's ambitious. Okay. Um, Very ambitious. What happened to her? Well, it gets weirder from there. So two psychologists analysed Ms Van Leeshout and said, look, you've got a mental impairment. You have delusional episodes, which I think we can all agree sounds about right based on the allegations so far. They said, you have a mental health defence, you shouldn't have to go to trial, you should be able to be found not guilty by reason of mental incompetence and go into some counselling and some help for your issues. Ms Leishout said, no, there's nothing wrong with me, I refuse to accept that, I'd rather stand trial for my rights, I'm not guilty and I'm not insane. Oh dear. So now the Adelaide Magistrates Court has been told by federal prosecutors it's got no choice, it has to hold a trial on whether or not she's sane. So we're going to have a trial in South Australia on somebody's sanity or otherwise before we can even get to whether or not their alleged plot to overthrow the government was criminal or not. Well, that is a pretty wild one to start with, Sean. I'll give you that. All right, what's the second court case that's uh, piqued your interest this year? Yeah, this one, unfortunately, isn't anywhere near as funny and continues a very dark tradition. So South Australia has a very long and very unfortunate history of child sex offending. I think that's well known around the country. The man that actually conceived the idea of Adelaide, Edward Wakefield, was himself a child abuser when he was arrested and came up with the idea for Adelaide while sitting in prison. So it goes all the way back into the DNA of this place. And Adelaide has set some pretty noxious records in terms of child sex offending. We've had the the originator of online child abuse actually comes from Adelaide, the man that invented the concept. We've had the couple of the worst pedophiles in Australian history, one after the other after the other. But this one tops the lot. He's an RAAF sergeant. His name is Jacob Donald Walsh. Not only that, he's a spy. He's all about counterintelligence and electronic warfare. And he's just pleaded guilty to just shy of 250 child abuse crimes, the highest number ever committed in Australian history. Bloody hell. So what sort of things was he doing? He was allegedly, well, I don't have to say allegedly anymore, do I? No, he's pleaded guilty. He was stalking LGBT youth online of pretending to be other people and trying to groom them for sexual encounters. He was even training another man, a civilian by the name of Cameron Bowen, to do the same thing. So in concert, they were taking advantage of these kids who obviously struggling with their sexuality, struggling with their identity, struggling with age, and being taken advantage of by these two absolute creeps who were sitting here in Adelaide just manipulating this web of contacts all around the world. So what's happened to this guy since he pled guilty? So he's waiting for sentencing submissions, which we're going to hear by the end of the year. The prosecution said they need a lot more time to try to gather all this evidence together because, to be frank, they didn't expect him to plead guilty this quickly to so many charges. The other interesting offshoot is that Bowen has actually pleaded guilty, this is the protege, to the charge of maintaining an unlawful sexual relationship with a child, even though he never met the child that he abused face-to-face. First person in Australian history to cop to that plea, which means he's facing a life sentence despite never having touched the child that he abused. I personally think that's a great step forward for the law because it means we're starting to treat online abuse as seriously as we do face-to-face abuse. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, well, let's see if we can lighten things up with the third court case. Sean, what do you got for me? Well, Bucky, what do you like on your pizza? 
Oh, I'm uh, I'm kind of a, a like an Aussie guy, and I know that's not very popular, but egg on a pizza is good, and I stand by it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a bit of a potato and chicken pizza man myself. Okay. But uh, if you went to the Valentino Pizza Cafe out here in Adelaide, you'd probably get broken glass on your pizza. <laughs> broken glass? I mean, I, why would you want broken glass on the pizza? Look, nobody wants broken glass on their pizza, and thankfully the person that actually got this pizza from Valentino's didn't swallow it. They managed to catch it in their molars before it went down the hatch. But this led to a situation where the owner of this cafe, Maddie Alhayeri, found himself in court for breaching South Australia's food hygiene standards. And when they investigated his cafe, it turned out he'd actually breached the standards 18 times in just four months. Bloody hell. So what, did he cop a fine? Did he have to go to prison? Yeah, $120,000 fine he was spared, but only because he spent $30,000 bringing it up to code so far. It wasn't Al Hayeri himself that was committing these food breaches. It turned out he'd employed a really bad batch of employees and wasn't keeping an eye on them the way he should. So in the end, what you pay for a broken glass pizza is a $10,500 fine. Not to mention the damage that's been done to the reputation of that store. Is it still operating? Do you know? It, it is still operating. My understanding is it has new ownership. And uh, it's actually just around the corner from a mate of mine's place. And every time we drive past, we're like, how's your teeth? You feeling crunchy today? <laughs> well, you can check out all of Sean's stories in the advertiser. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. I've got news for you. Thanks, mate. You're welcome. Well, a very big thank you to Perry from The Daily Telegraph, Genevieve from The Herald Sun and Sean from The Advertiser for telling us about the standout court cases from their cities this year. That's it for today's episode of I've Got News For You. I'll chat to you again later. Listener.